Hello, this is John Hilly, pastor at East Brentwood Presbyterian Church in the Nashville, Tennessee area. This is our podcast for Holy Week 2017. I am joined by Nate Strasser, our music director, and also our vocalist, Brianna Tyson. Today we'll be bringing you some music, followed by some reflections. And then after my reflections, Brianna, who's got just a lovely voice, will be sharing a song with you on this podcast. I hope you'll enjoy this reflective time through word and music.
Well, it is almost Easter, and over the 40 days of Lent leading up to Easter, we have been looking at those spiritual and not-so-spiritual-sounding words that begin with the prefix re. Words like revision, which means to make a change that corrects or improves something or to produce a new version. Words like rediscover, reborn, return, restore, revitalize, rejoice. And this thematic journey has led us now to Holy Week and to our final words, reject. And of course, the most important of all, resurrect. Recently, I was in Guatemala, and boy, man, did we do a lot of driving, north out of the Guatemala City and into the highlands and over to the coffee-growing area around Coban and then over into the low-lying Paten province near Mexico's border. We drove through countless towns and villages. On what seemed to be on on the edge of every town we drove through, there was a little cemetery with its above-ground, whitewashed, and colorful tombs. In the events leading up to Holy Week, uh, Jesus has made his journey into Jerusalem. And Matthew's Gospel relates Jesus taking the image of the tombstones as a metaphor to describe the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day. You are like whitewashed tombs, Jesus said, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. What to make of this? What I take this to mean is that Jesus takes the tombstones as a metaphor for people who have shut down reality and have no energy, no imagination. And that's on my mind during this Holy Week, this juxtaposition between what Walter Brueggemann calls the imagination of death and the imagination of life, where the imagination of death is epitomized in crucifixions. The imagination of life is epitomized by revisions and resurrections. Daily, it seems, we are confronted with what choices between these two will we make when it comes to how we, how we will live our lives. If you take that moment from long ago when Jesus had this to say to the religious leaders of his day and draw it into today and into our society about where we are, it wouldn't be hard to entertain the thought that we are at this sort of life and death moment. On the day I am recording these thoughts, I scan the news headlines. U.S. leaders are talking about what their response will be to the recent Syrian chemical attack by the Syrian government on its own people. U.S. considering airstrikes. There is the posturing by unstable North Korea with its firing of a nuclear test missile in advance of the meeting between the leaders of our world's most powerful nations, China and the United States. There's the finding that South Sudan, the world's newest nation, has not turned out the way it had hoped, crippling violence, famine, poverty, and all of these could be entered as exhibits under the category, the imagination of death. Here we are at Good Friday. A day of religious observance, yes, but this name of this day also seems apt in describing the failure of our social institutions and of our own human failings and continued rejection of living in such a way that reflects the goodness of God. You read the Good Friday story, and neither Herod nor Pilate had a clue of what to do. So these headlines heaped on top of our own stuff can leave us exhausted as we try to make our way through this thing called life. And if we are intentional, this week is an important time for us to reflect and decide if we're going to continue the patterns of death that we have prescribed or 
are we going to have the energy and imagination to break out of those patterns and come alive and rise up to newness? Walter Brueggemann describes the Bible as this great field of imagination in which we are constantly watching people rise up to newness. Remember the woman at the well who is not trapped by her past, but who finds newness. Or Nicodemus who comes to visit Jesus under cover of darkness in search of newness. Or Lazarus who Jesus calls out from the tombs, come out Lazarus, newness. And then there's Abraham and Sarah. They were as good as dead and life starts over for them. She hears that she's going to have a baby. She laughs at the absurdity of the idea at her age, a baby came, the imagination of life. And this Holy Week, then, we decide if we're going to reject the behaviors and settle for the old patterns of death or decide that we would rather embrace the imagination of life and to become engaged and to practice empathy and even try our hand at dancing and singing like they did in some of those great old stories where newness replaces death, like in the story of the prodigal son. The Bible often imagines that we are at an either-or moment. The events of this Holy Week are such a time, because Holy Week is about dying and rising. So here we are on this Good Friday, and we are at the foot of the cross. I'd like to pretend that Good Friday, the murder of God by the people of God, is, was a one-time historical event, that, that it took place far away in another country, safely in the past. But the imagination of death is manifested daily in our time. And it's impossible for us to avoid the ongoing reality of the crucifixion as we hear the words of Good Friday. He had no form or charm to attract us, no beauty to win our hearts. He was despised and rejected. Good Friday is the abyss. Everyone is forsaken. The imagination of death seems to have the upper hand which must have been what Mary Magdalene first thought when she stood there at the empty tomb that morning while her expectations of what was possible collided full force with the God of Abraham and Sarah. Her certainty that she knew how this whole Jesus thing was ending slammed up right against the full force of God's suffering and redemptive love and imaginative love. Imaginative love, the imagination of life. What I'm talking about is not about painted eggs or Peter Cottontail, even though that is what our culture thinks Easter is about, nor is it about the church's brass quintets and fancy church hats and the show we make for the annual visitors. The imagination of life heralded in the resurrected God proclaims that death has no ultimate power over us. That is the Easter message. But before you get to Easter, we've got to go through the abyss of Good Friday. The Old and the New Testaments both say that you have to go into the abyss. It does not let us relax into passivity or hopelessness, but invites us to cling to the power of his cross. On this Good Friday, God is not interested in your guilt. It's a waste of time. It's not going to save anyone, your guilt. God is not interested in your brilliant political analysis or your good intentions. Ultimately, they are useless. We cannot save ourselves, but all we can do is witness and receive what Jesus offers on Good Friday and get ready for Easter Sunday and celebrate the risen Christ who enlivens us with the imagination to break out of old patterns and come alive and rise up to newness.
On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I loved that old cross where the dearest stand best for a world of lost sinners was slain. Till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday for a crown I will never be true It's shame and reproach gladly bear Then he'll call me someday To my home far away Where his glory forever I'll share So I'll cling trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown and exchange it someday